Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Podcast. I am Trevor Sikma. With me is Benjamin Solak, whose voice sounds better today. I, You know, obviously we chit-chatted before we hit the record button. And Ben, whatever you're doing, whether it was the full lemons, praise be to the Russian grandmas, or whatever it's been, you sound a lot better today, pal. Brother, I, uh, I feel great. I've always felt great, but I've always sounded terrible, and now I feel better, and now people are like, oh... You're not dead walking. It's like, yes, that's correct. Would you say so it was I, the lemons? Would you say it was the whole lemons? Yes. They did the trick. I would, listen, like, if you want to get your voice back, shut up. I walked around with sticky notes plastered on my chest, which said, I'm sorry, I lost my voice. I promise I still love you, but I'm not going to talk to you. That's a lot to put on a sticky note. I had three sticky notes. Um, so I walked out like that. Didn't talk to anybody. Uh and yeah, you slice the lemon, you eat the lemon, and you drink tea with honey, and you go to sleep. With the skin. Pro moves. Gotta eat, gotta eat the whole lemon. I cannot emphasize enough that you do not eat the rind. Said it yesterday, <laughs> saying it again today. <laughs> well, uh, you gotta take your sticky note off for at least this podcast, because you got a lot of talking to do, as do I. It is day two of our summer scouting series, where we are going over the quarterback positions. Yesterday, on the first episode... Ben and I talked about our initial scouting notes, scouting thoughts going into the 2021 season for Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, and Keaton Slovis. Today we have three more quarterbacks that we are going to go over. Matt Corral from Ole Miss, Malik Willis from Liberty, and Carson Strong from Nevada. There are a fun group. A lot of very intriguing things to get into with all three of these guys, but uh, I wanted to start with Matt Corral. Can we start with Matt Corral? Do you mind? Do you have a preference either way? He's my favorite of the three, so I like it. Okay, all right. A little bit of a spoiler alert. Now people are just going to turn off the podcast after we get done with the Matt Corral segment. He's my but, uh, it's fine. least favorite. He's, he's, they, they, they all could be my favorite, and there's only one way of knowing, which is later. We'll have to, we'll have to work on your teasers, bud. But uh, Matt Corral is a redshirt junior heading into this season. Stands at six foot one, two hundred and five pounds. Was a four-star quarterback, had quite the recruiting journey. I mean, he was committed to Florida, then he, he committed. I, where, I, where was he before Florida? Oh, I know this. I know this. He was, uh, oh, it was USC. He was committed to USC, and then yes. he uh, and then he eventually flipped to Florida, and then he flipped off of Florida, then he went to Mississippi, sat behind Jordan Tiamu for uh, his initial time when he got to Ole Miss, and then took over in the 2019 season. He's been a two-year starter there for them. He's from Long Beach, California, so long ways away. That makes sense to why he was initially committed to USC. But you mentioned it, that Matt Corral was your favorite of this group of three that we're going to talk about. So what do you really enjoy about Matt Corral's tape? Uh, Understands the quarterback position, physical perspective, Mental perspective. Now, we're going to get into the mentals. Uh, he can move. He can run. Uh, legit zone read threat at the college level. Probably won't be like, you know, a running quarterback, quote-unquote. But if you think about the way, like, the Cowboys 
you know, because it was third and two, and they're like, zone read with Dak. And every time a defense is like, whoa, we forgot he could do that. Like, that's Corral's, like, athletic ability, right? So he, he could be a zone read quarterback for you. So that's number one. Uh, got all, all the all the arm angles, all the release angles, got all the platforms. He can run a whole RPO offense. Delightful. Again, great for a college quarterback. Probably not going to be as maximized in the league. Whatever. So he's sure. got all the, the, the college's sort of traits. Arm is legit. Uh, wouldn't say that he's got unbelievable drive velocity, right? 15-yard deep out. Wouldn't say he's got unbelievable deep velocity, but it's clearly NFL caliber. Cool. People get wrapped up in the big mental mistakes that he makes, and appropriately so. You don't have two five-interception games. I think if you're five against LSU and then like six against Arkansas, especially that Arkansas game where Arkansas was a very drop-eight-heavy team last year, uh, he was just – being way too obnoxious. He was just way too confident in his arm. And and the way that I like to categorize it is that Corral really has a lot of confidence in Lane. Lane Kiffin, head coach Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Been a great offensive designer for years at the college level. We saw we everybody saw that 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 Ole Miss Alabama game where I think Kiffin put more points on the Alabama defense than any SEC defense had, or I want to say second most or something like that. But regardless, Corral's got a lot of faith in Lane. And so there are times where Lane gets against a play call and, or where, where Corral gets a play call and he's like, all right, Lane told me this is going to open up against too high. <laughs> and then he just never checks his math. Right, sure. He just never checks the work. And then he throws just an intercept. Dude, what were you looking at? Like, and, and it, it's as simple as like a safety is rotating or just like replacing a blitz, which makes the easiest mistakes that then when you watch him later make plays on the run or move safety with his eyes, or throw layer between linebackers, or use his body framing to move a short zone defender to open up a second window. Like a lot of 201 stuff, you're like, brother, what happened on this 101 play? So I think that he gets too confident in both his arm talent and his accuracy, which leads to bad mechanics, which then leads to bad accuracy, and gets too confident in what his coaches are telling him Monday to Saturday on the chalkboard in practice. And I think he, he, uh, it's a little bit of like, he needs to, he needs to learn how to respect the outplay. Sometimes the defense outplays you. Sometimes they've got the right call, whether it's because they know your formation or they, they're guessing on tendency or they're just lucky. Sometimes the defense gets it right. And you have to always, every single play, whether it's a RPO bubble or five verts back up the scene and everything in between, you have to check your work. You have to confirm post-snap what you believe to be true pre-snap. And when he gets lazy, he doesn't do that, and it leads to really dumb mistakes. But the nice thing about dumb mistakes is that they are the easiest ones to erase because it's simple fixes. So if Corral is willing to do the, the, the simple, tidy post-snap work that an NFL quarterback should be able to do, NFL tools, NFL traits, uh, 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 Legit NFL prospect. Round one, not sure. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see when we get there. I don't know how consistent he'll ever be. Um, but if we can just eliminate the dumb mistakes, he's very clearly going to be a guy in the conversation uh, for the top five quarterbacks in this class. Yeah, it's a big year coming up for Corral. We touched on this yesterday when we talked about Sam Howell operating in Phil Longo's offense to where it's not – Phil Longo's full-time job to make Sam Howell the best quarterback he can be. 
it's his job to get the most out of whatever Sam Howell is within the offense. And I see a lot of that with Corral. And as I said before as well, sometimes the two bleed together. Sometimes you making the quarterback a better quarterback overall, even when we look at it through a pro lens, that will make them better for your offense. But that doesn't always happen. And you do see a lot of confidence in what Kiffin has designed from Matt Corral. And I think he's got a lot of confidence to his game. Dane Brugler of The Athletic, who we love, who we've had on this show before, he compared Matt Corral's game to like that of a shortstop. And I really loved it. It was just very, you know, he was light on his feet. Everything was super quick. Like the decisions were right there. He was bouncing around always on his toes. And I really, really loved that because I I thought that that visualization was really nice. And man, one of the first things that I wrote down about Corral is it's his footwork and how willing he is to be mobile. But even beyond that, you, I initially went into Corral's film thinking I was going to see a one or two read player because of Kiffin's offense. He was going to design it and say, all right, look, here's your primary. This is where you're going on that play. If that's shut off, here's your safety valve. Boom, boom. These are, you two, these are your two reads. We're running the offense fast. It's no huddle. Get on to the next play. I thought that when plays really broke down, and when pressure was in his face or pressure forced him out of the pocket or really he couldn't even get to that second read or the first read was covered, I thought I was going to see a tuck-and-run player at all times. A guy who was just, okay, now i got to make something. I wish he was run. more tuck-and-run. Yeah, he's, yeah it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy to me how often he would continue to approach the play as a passing play. And he he the, loves to do that little thing where he like, escapes through the pocket, clears out the line of scrimmages, and then runs one yard behind it horizontally for like 10 seconds. You're like, dude, just go forward. Just go pick up six yards. Well, okay. So you, there, there's definitely, there are definitely those plays in there. But where I was going is more of a positive because I saw that he is not afraid to step up in the pocket. You know, if the mm-hmm. edge rushers are coming deep on him and if the offensive tackles are really blocking him, around uh, the backside of the pocket and really rounding that off, he is definitely not afraid to step up. He's not afraid to step up and then occupy an area of space to the left or right. But when he does so, he keeps his eye downfield. And he did that a lot more than I I thought he would. And shoot, like even if, you know, I was in his shoes, like I was processing plays as things were going on and be like, okay, like here's where I would have tucked and run. But he's keeping his eyes up. He's finding guys over the middle and he's making things happen. So I really liked his ability just to not only keep plays alive, but continue to keep his eyes at a level where he can maximize what's going on there. Because there's definitely, at times, a disconnect between some players who can, quote-unquote, keep a play alive but not know what to do after that. And I think that Corral is somebody who clearly understands that there is sometimes a really big play to be made when you get outside of structure. And so I did enjoy that with him. I thought his fundamentals were pretty good, uh, especially when he was very conscious and focused of it. Uh, I liked how the ball came out of his hand. It was very compact. It's all pretty smooth motion. I, I thought it was very natural for him, and I think you definitely see that on some natural drive that he has from intermediate throws in. I don't love his arm strength beyond like 30 yards. Um not not to say like he can't throw it 30 yards. Like there are plenty of times where he has hit guys deep, say 50 yards down the field, but it's often at that point 
floaters for me. I I, I just didn't see a lot of drive on the ball once we really started to push the yardage. And so I think his arm is NFL adequate, but I'm still kind of like on the fence of how much of a strength that I think it is. He's very confident with it. Like I said, when you're operating from 30 yards in, I think he can even get a lot of zip on his passes, especially when He's got his technique right, his footwork right, and he's able to drive off the ball, which I was very impressed with how many times he was able to do that. But I think it's a big year for Corral, especially for the quarterback classes that we're looking at it right now. He's got a chance to, as we mentioned with Sam Howell yesterday as well, maybe a fringe late first, early second round prospect who simply because it is a quarterback driven league might find himself around the top 20, top 25. So I I think that that's all in the cards for Corral, especially because of the reasons that you listed that his biggest critique, the, the biggest criticism of him are, it seems like things that he can fix. And and if he is able to do that, we're going to be talking about a pretty exciting prospect that I think a lot of NFL teams and scouting staffs and general managers and head coaches are going to fall for. I think they're really going to like what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think there's a similar sensation in terms of what we talked about yesterday. Spencer Rattler, year two of the Oklahoma offense, to the degree to which he settles in and feels really confident in that, in that offense and all the different formations and all the different uh, little gadgety plays that they get in there. Similar thing will happen for Corral with uh, with Ole Miss and with mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin. I do think down the stretch, as if you watch some of his games chronologically, not that Lane lost trust in him, but Lane started to take some decisions away from him that he was willing to give him early that maybe it was a little bit more than Corral was able to bite off, right? And so... Uh, I think that it's important for Corral to be strong early in year two because if he isn't, I think Kevin will probably take stuff off his plate mm-hmm. and it'll be tough to fully save your chest that this guy can make NFL decisions and it can be NFL responsible. Whereas if he is that way early, that sort of stuff might stay on his plate, might grow on his plate, he might get the full breadth of the offense and then we can start to really know what he is and isn't capable. Lot a lot on the line for Corral this year. Very and, big season for Corral. Yeah, and and from everything I read, I mean, he's really matured on and off the field. I think rapidly over the last couple of years, and so if that process is still going up. Then there's there's still a lot to uh, to really believe in, and you can see why people are excited about Matt Corral going into the season. Let's talk about another player that people are very very excited about. Liberty quarterback. Malik Willis. Now, Malik, I, I don't think was initially on people's radar, and. There's a good reason for it. It's because we didn't know a lot about Malik Willis really up until last year. He's a senior going into this year. I might be a redshirt junior or maybe he's a red. Actually, I think he's a redshirt senior going into yeah. this year. And he's still around because of his background. He's about 6'1", 2, 215. That's what his measurables are listed as. He was a three-star recruit as an athlete coming out of high school. Now, he was quarterback for his high school, but... He was a dual threat guy. There was you know, an opening for him to have play a lot of different positions. Some schools viewed him as a defensive player even. Some, some schools viewed him as just more of an offensive weapon. Initially committed to play defensive back for Virginia Tech. And he went into his senior year in high school as a quarterback, committed to Virginia Tech. And he was fully committed to going to Virginia Tech. But then that senior season was his best season. He led his team to a state title game, played very, very well. 
And then Auburn kind of came in late on the recruiting trail and said, hey, we will give you a shot at quarterback. And so Malik ended up switching his commitment from Virginia Tech to Auburn because Auburn said that they'd give him a shot at quarterback. When he came in initially at Auburn, that's when Auburn got Jared Stidham. And so Jared Stidham was the starting quarterback there. And then the year that followed, it was kind of Malik was in the conversation, but so was Bo Nix. So was Joey Gatewood as well. And then when the competition, huh? I forgot about Joey Gatewood. Right. He's in Kentucky now, right? He is. Yeah, I believe so. And, but he was, I, he was a super high recruit. Um, He might've been the number one overall quarterback in his class. I I could be wrong on that, but I know there was a lot of high hopes for him. And so once the quarterback situation in Auburn became either Bo Nix or Joey Gatewood, then Malik decided to transfer after those two seasons, had to sit out a full year because of the transfer rules. And then last year was the first year that we got to see Malik Willis play as a starting quarterback. And I, I think he played really well. He had some electric things that showed up on tape, but there's just not a lot of experience under his belt. Now as a red shirt senior, this will just be the second year that he's had as a starter uh, in college football. So Ben, it's a lot of baseline stuff here for Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, but what'd you think? I love Malik. Uh, I have a, uh, an October tweet that I made sure I found for this show so that way I could claim that I'm good at this. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah, you know how you do it. Um, which it, it says, I'm all, I am I am in on Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, and I say, uh, uh, I'm not, I, I can't pass on, I have to buy this combination of talent and instincts. And I still feel that way. Right. Uh, there's a touchdown throw against NC State which was a tight game where Malik didn't play too well. It's actually a really interesting game. Um, where Willis, uh, it's, he's got a little, uh, you know, jet action. He's got some routes developing the other way. It's a nice little concept. But NC State sends two off of the jet action side. That's going to be a free runner. And so Willis, the second he gets to the top of his drop, he's got to relocate. He climbs the pocket, works behind the, the blitzers. Such a good instinct for uh space for angles you see that he he runs with tempo uh he is not lamar jackson but you see lamar do this as well where they're never really actually running at full speed they're constantly trying to fool defenders into thinking they're slower than they are willis does this really well so willis just slivers his way into space He's got, he's at the 15 yard line. He's got 15 yards of green grass in front of him. He's such a strong and dynamic runner. There's no way he doesn't score this touchdown. And then he cocks the ball to throw. And it's important noted that, that he's not moving horizontally. He's moving vertically right now. He's moving towards the line of scrimmage and a little bit towards the sideline. And he's going to target a guy working towards the middle of the field. So he's throwing across his body while also moving forward. It literally does not get harder than that across the body while moving towards the line of scrimmage. Nightmare. Never attempt this throw ever, especially when you're built like Malik Wills <laughs> and you can run like Malik Wills and you have room to run. And he throws it off just off one foot, just like not even like setting up. I think he just throws it. Perfect placement. You, 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 you do not teach that. You cannot get enough drills on a guy to have him not have that throw in his arsenal and then add that throw to his arsenal. Can't be done. So the combination of talent and instincts is bananas. Uh, the, the the throw against Virginia Tech, which everybody in the entire world has seen, is not a great example. Where like you you shouldn't be throwing spin moves twelve yards behind the line of scrimmage. 
but he does, and he can get away with it because he got such a thick build. Trev, you said he was 215. We saw him in L.A. a month ago. Maybe he was 215 last year. Brother is not 215 now. He's a healthy young man. Very He's well stacked. Built. He is stacked. Um, and then he just makes a, a, a sideline throw 50 yards down the line. It's just, that's NFL. You cannot teach that. That's NFL talent. On a snap-to-snap basis, he is not consistent enough yet. Right. Uh, I don't love the way that Hugh Freeze runs the offense there in Liberty. They love to run, like, seven-man pass pro, three-man concepts. Willis is never going to be accurate enough, or I shouldn't say that. Right now, Willis is not nearly accurate enough or decisive enough to get that done. If you're going to throw three-man – if you're going to run three-man concepts against seven men dropping in zone – your quarterback needs to be pinpoint. Needs to know how to choose. Needs to know how to read and, and decide to be decisive and be aggressive. And Wills right now is a see it shoot it thrower. Uh, he's better when there's five in the concepts. He's better when there's underneath guys that he can just see them open, see them working across his vision, throw them, lead them into space. He has a live arm, but he's not really a, a, a pinpoint passer. I would not call him an accurate deep passer at this time. His throwing mechanics are not what you'd like them to be. Again, it's talent and instincts. He's just kind of vibing on what a throw should look like, and so he'll hit a. A 35-yard deep nine outside the numbers. He'll hit a guy in the hands, and the next play he'll miss like a, a check down swing. That's like two yards wide line of scrimmage. And he's just like, all right, we have an inconsistent player right now. So what is right now? If Malik came out, you know, he'd be drafted in project quarterback range. He'd be drafted in Jalen Hurts range. Uh, he's a similar runner to Hurts mm. in terms of how strong he is and his ability to break tackles. I think he's a little bit better of a runner, a little bit worse as a passer. So I think that range is the range that makes sense. Uh, he has to become more consistent at the easy throws. He has to be able to throw RPOs with more consistency, which means he's got to learn how to be able to, to keep accuracy steady when adjusting his arm angle. Right now, when he tries that little whip release, the ball's very scattershot. Uh, that has to get there for him to be considered a high-level quarterback prospect. So I love Malik. Malik is a great college quarterback. He's a high-floor NFL quarterback because of the running ability. You put him in a true dual-threat NFL offense, he is going to be able to pick up yards for you. He's a very dangerous runner. As a thrower right now, he isn't what Jalen Hurts was coming out of Oklahoma, and that's concerning because Hurts for three-and-a-half games with the Eagles was one of the worst throwers in the NFL. Uh, So Willis absolutely must make strides mechanically, to improve his accuracy before we can even get to some of his decisiveness and, and when he chooses to make the throws that he does. Uh, so a lot of maturation is still needed for him as a thrower. No reason to believe he won't get there. Work ethic is great. Attitude towards the game is great. He only has one year of starting, but the clock is a little bit accelerated because he only has two years of eligibility left, I'm pretty sure, because of the COVID year. Uh, so we got if we don't get it done this year, we only have one year left. So we need to see strides as a passer before he can be that caliber of, of a of a prospect that people want him to be. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the confidence there with Malik Willis. He was one of my favorite guys that we interviewed when we were out of the quarterback retreat camp in Los Angeles uh, about a month and a half ago. I, I was trying to ask him softballs, you know, like it's it's an off season interview. We're there at at a, at a kids right. camp, you know. I'm like I'm just I'm just trying to pump these guys up. I'm not asking them like X's and O's. I'm not I'm not like ooh. So you need to improve ball placement. Like how are you gonna do? Like I'm I'm not saying that. I was trying to give Malik props for one heck of a coming out party last year after a lot of time sitting on the bench. Um, it just it's his first year as a starter, and I was like, man, you came on and. 
you put on a show last year as a first year starter. I mean, was that cool? And he basically said to me, he was like, ah, it don't matter. It's in the past. Like, I just got to be better. Well, I, all it is is a building block. Don't matter what I've done. It's just, a, it's a matter of what I'm going to do in the future. And I was just like, damn, dude. Okay. All right. Like he is laser focused on getting better. You talked about the natural ability and there are too many clips in Malik Willis's tape throughout last season for anyone to give up on this dude. And even if he, let's say, has the same exact kind of year that he does this year, you're going to have people that are going to bet on him, that are going to want him on their NFL team because what he gives you in those intangible moments, those can't-teach-playmaker-going-out-and-make-a-play kind of thing, Malik Willis was one of the best in college football with it last year. There are a lot of things in structure that he certainly needs to get better with. The ball placement is is the biggest one for me. He just doesn't have a consistent enough process to get the ball to go exactly where it needs to go time and time again. You know, you mentioned Jalen Hurts and him not being where Hurts is as a passer and how Hurts really was not what he needed to be even last year. And I, I completely agree. That's where I have Malik Willis. You know, you look at a lot of those intangible plays those crazy ones that you can't believe, the ones that he's making that nobody else can make, and you go, man, you take a chance on this guy day two. You know, you take a flyer on him, you try to make something happen, but the throw-to-throw basis, it's just not there for Malik yet. He he has to take that next step, and I agree with you completely. There's no reason to believe that he will not do that, but this quarterback class, as we are learning, is not super solidified. It's a lot of guys who have right. things that you want to believe in that are not there yet. If you took Malik Willis right now and put him in the NFL, he'd really struggle. If you took Sam Howell right now and put him in the NFL, he'd really struggle. Like It just goes across the board for everybody. Even the guy we talked about yesterday, Spencer Rattler, who we think has a chance to go number one overall. If you took Spencer Rattler right now, put him on in the NFL, he would struggle. And I think that's what this class is coming out to be. You're going to have to pick and choose the players whose traits you really like, whose personalities, whose work ethic, and all of these things. You believe in them to improve because it's a lot of improvement across the board that I think has to happen here. I I really love the baseline of kind of what Malik was able to show at a ceiling perspective. Unfortunately, he's so... Unfortunately, he's too inconsistent right now to for even me to agree with you that he is a high-floor player. I know what you were saying, because of his rushing ability, because of his physical abilities, he presents you with a high floor because he can do enough for you in the run game as a run threat to where he gives you that kind of a high floor. But it still comes down to the quarterback's got to be able to get the ball from point A to point B. And in the NFL, that point B is small, man. The margin for error just gets so small. And so that's kind of how I see Malik right now. He's super exciting. He'll give you plays that nobody else in this class can make. But it's definitely another year where he's got to take a step forward. And I really hope that he can because he's a great kid. Yeah, I think right. I'm on this big mobile quarterbacks or high floor players kick. And I, I mean it because they can get you out of bad plays, right? Like Sure. Of Yeah, right. So many plays that end up sacks for your team will become positive gains, even if they're small with a rushing quarterback. So many things that would be completions become incompletions with Malik Willis. And so how much, what's the given, what's the take there? Right. Uh, so I think that like, 
right now Malik could walk into the league and be like Kyler Murray's backup or Lamar Jackson's backup, and you'd be like, we are in such a good spot if one of these guys goes down because he can run the whole running game. And in the passing game, we can generate enough space that we can deal with him. But that doesn't get drafted highly. And Malik Wills wants to get drafted highly. And Malik right, Wills right. certainly unequivocally has the talent to get drafted highly. And I greatly appreciated your uh, Auburn shade where you were like, nobody would give up on this guy. Right. <laughs> well. Uh, hey, they, 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 pick, they picked Bo Nix over Malik. And not so, sure, not so sure that's a decision that I would have made. But I'm sure that we'll get to Bo Nix uh, later in the week. We'll be able to give you our thoughts there. Before we get on to our last player, Carson Strong, who you guys definitely need to stick around and listen to because he's, I don't think Carson Strong is nearly as known as these other players. And man, uh, I was a fan of his tape. We got to remind people that bet online is the fast and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing. Everything's going on there. NHL just ended, but NBA playoffs are still going on. You've still got the, the weekend UFC MMA action that you could be betting on. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head over to their website, use your mobile device today to sign up for a 50% welcome bonus when you put down your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Introing Carson Strong, who, I don't know, might be people's, maybe not favorite, but uh, personal favorite. Not favorite in the class overall, but he might be somebody that uh, you really like and you really He's someone you're going to like. He's a good player. Coming up after the break. All right, as we tease before the break, we're now talking about Carson Strong, the quarterback at Nevada. Do you say Nevada or do you say Nevada? Tomato, tomato, but Nevada is more fun to say. I was told that um, if people in Colorado, when I was out in Denver, they don't say Colorado, they say Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. I say Colorado, like an O. It's spelled with an A, right? Colorado? Yes, I had to spell. I, I, don't, I don't know what. <laughs> I, had to spell, I, I had to spell it out of my head. I don't know what song it is, but I'm just hearing the song where they go like a whole Monte Carlo in my head now. No, they they. I, I was told that the locals say it's Colorado, which is I think correct. I'm saying it wrong my whole life. Anyways, Nevada, Carson Strong is a redshirt junior going into the season. Six foot. Four, 215 pounds. We got a big boy, finally. Do we believe he's truly 6'4"? I don't care. It's what it says. We got a bunch of other guys listed at 6'1". That means they're probably six foot, and I'm sick of it. I don't really care that much. I don't they're think good. he's 6'4". They're good football. What do, you, what do you think he is? 6'3", 6'2"? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's 6'3", he's low. Maybe 6'2", high. All right, I'm going to go with 6'3". I believe in you, Carson. I believe in you. Maybe you're not 6'4", but I'll say 6'3". He uh, he did not play his senior year of high school because of a knee injury, and then he redshirted his first year in Nevada. So he had two years where he didn't really play at all. <laughs> he played a game when he was no, in Nevada, but he, he didn't really play at all before becoming the starter in 2019. So now he's got two years of being a starter under his belt, 2019 and, of course, 2020 as well. You mentioned... You like Carson Strong. He's a good player. What do you like about him? Yeah, this is the guy. If you want to do the whole, if you want to do the whole, who's the who's going to be the Joe Burrow? Who's going to be the Zach Wilson? This is the guy. Yeah. Which I, like, yeah, yeah. 
maybe the guy isn't Malik because people have now gotten too excited about Malik. Like five months ago, three months ago, I would have told you it would have been Malik. But like people have gotten really hyped up on Malik. And I still think Malik's got as good a chance as anybody to be a really great riser. There's obviously a lot he needs to do in terms of how he throws the ball, but he's so physically gifted, whatever. People are talking about Carson Strong, but not as much. Um, of the guys we've watched this far, and then I've watched a couple of the other guys as well, we'll talk about later. In terms of every arrow in their quiver, every throw in the field available, it goes Spencer Rattler and then Carson Strong. And I don't think it's even a conversation for anybody else at number two. For a can, player, like, can make it or does make it? Like can make it. Well, I think other dudes can make it. Like, I mean, like Malik's got the arm to make the throws. Sam Howell could make the throws. They just don't. They're not there right now. I would, I would totally agree with you that it's Here's like Spencer and Carson as players who I would have the most faith in to make the throw right now. But I was just, I was just trying to clarify. Maybe you don't agree. Maybe you can tell me to buzz off. Here's the thing. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about errors in the quiver. Could Malik make every single throw that Carson Strong makes that requires velocity, ability to drive, hit tight windows? Yes. There's a great, there's another throw at NC State for Malik where he tries to throw a seam route and he's a little bit high on it and it gets picked off. Uh, yeah. But if that's an NFL sized receiver, that's an absurdly good throw. Touch throws. That's, good, that's no. good. That's a good excuse. I like that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that from now. From for when I need to. I mean, affirm the my pride. Kid he was throwing to was five eleven, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Trash. I'm just kidding. In terms of touch throws, throws, no. And that's the thing is, I, I've talked about this before. For strong to have the the velocity on the arm that he does, and then to be able to throw with touch as well as he does is stupid. That's not what you usually say. Uh when all you have is a hammer, you think everything is a nail, Carson Strong can rip it. And so when he sees throws that he could try to attempt with velocity and instead throws them with touch, thinking specifically about some of the deep posts and some of the nine balls, that shows you that he understands how to modulate. He understands what circumstances require which arrow in his quiver. And that's really cool and that's really mature. Uh, so he is a great touch passer who can also just scream a 20-yard dig or scream a 20-yard seam. And that's how you want your quarterback to be. You don't want him to think everything is a nail. And he understands that. He understands situation. He understands context. Now, Malik is pretty shaky mechanically. When Strong's at his best, he's clearly better mechanically than Malik is. But Strong just does not care about his lower body sometimes. Because he can get away with it, because he's playing the Mountain West, because he has that arm strength. And that is bad because there are easy throws that he misses, same as Malik. Uh, there are throws that he makes tougher for himself, same as Matt Corral. Uh, that Matt Corral shortstop footwork, Strong doesn't have because he lets his feet die. Uh, the reason I don't think he's actually 6'4 is because he stands stark upright in the pocket. Right. And I don't like you can tell how tall he is because he doesn't have any knee bend at times, which is not good. He's not load bearing at all in his lower half. He's just kind of vibing. Um, and then when he's forced into an offside, de well, he's definitely vibing. That's... Have you seen his mustache? Yes. A man with that mustache is not vibing. It's not, ne not vibing at all times. Never, never not vibing. Yeah. He looks a little bit like Pedro Pascal was my first impersonation when I saw his photo. And I was like, good. I respect that. I, will, I would want to look like Pedro Pascal. Anyway. Uh, 
That's the Viper from Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, no, he, I know. Viper, the Viper yeah. didn't lose that fight, by the way. Yeah, facts. Um, so that that laziness is often a product of having elite physical talent, which he does as a thrower. Uh, not much as a runner, much more so a traditional pocket passer. That's fine. Decision making wise, you better be you better be tight when you're a pocket passer. I think he's good. I think that he can work the pocket well to get himself an extra half second. I think he understands that because of his physical ability, he's going to have to be a bit of a risk taker. He's going to hunt explosives, and he knows the opportunity to do that. He has a good sense for how fast that deep middle safety is because there'll be times where he comes late to a nine ball, and you're like, brother, you cannot be doing this. This is illegal, and he beats the safety, and it's because he knows what he can and can't get away with in that regard. I do think that his underneath vision and his sense of timing there and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he, he his throwing motion is elongated because he has to initiate it by loading his, his knees by loading his lower body which takes time and he has a dip uh, in his release he has a hitch and so that motion gets slower that takes longer i should say which means that if you're not really really anticipating underneath windows you're going to invite zone defenders back to the throw and he does that uh so he has got to get faster processing or he's got to clean up his release i clean up his release um, but that's that's both of those things will help and both those things are necessary. Uh, right now, I would draft strong before Malik. And I think after a season, unless Malik has a really, really marked improvement in accuracy, which is very possible, uh, I think I would take strong over Malik. And so my project guy in this class right now is Carson Strong. A uh, little bit of fake offense, a little bit lazy, some stuff to clean up, but but in this class, if we start talking about picking nits instead of significant obstacles, that's a live one because this is not really a great class. Carson Strong falls into that category. Really like him. How many of the things that you just said there also apply to Zach Wilson? Well, yeah. So I would say, I, I ju- most, and I, ju- I just say that because right. Zach Wilson went two overall. You know? Yeah. I would say most of them, right. though the league obviously did not have the same opinion of Zach Wilson that I did. And also, Strong's better arm, Wilson's a better runner. So a, it is important to note, in my opinion, the stylistic differences. When we talked about Burrow and Wilson, both were good scamper players. That is not Strong. So Strong really has to be good in the pocket in order to make that leap. But there are there are there are times where he moves around in the pocket where you're like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Right. Someone's been watching old Drew Brees. Like I, that's yeah. what we're looking for. I just I I feel like there are a lot of moments where I watch Carson Strong's film and I was like, I love this kid. <laughs> I, I really do. And I, I I completely agree with you. He was somebody who Man, his and this is this is this it's it's the same thing that really happened when I watched Zach Wilson. And a lot of people kind of attacked this affinity for Zach Wilson because a lot of people, the people that like Zach Wilson talked about what his confidence, how, you know, he gets the ball in the shotgun and he just, it's like you have all the confidence in the world that this guy is going to make the throw where he needs to, or he's going to make the play. And he, you've got a playmaker back there. You've got a confident, calm dude with a good demeanor. Who's your quarterback on every single play. I got that same kind of feeling from Carson Strong. And a lot of people give a lot of pushback because they're like, that's not a real trait. Like, you can't scout that. That's not a thing. And you I hear them. Play style. It absolutely is. I, right. I, I, I hear them, but I also, I really, I don't totally agree with that. Um, Maybe it makes you fall in love with somebody more than you should. Maybe that was the case with Zach Wilson because clearly 
the league was completely and unanimously, well, not unanimously, because I guess there was people that had Justin Fields above them, but for the most part, most of the NFL was like, yep, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, that's about it. Uh, we don't really care about the other guys. And they clearly were taking the confidence that they had in Zach Wilson over a guy who was as talented as Justin Fields. And so, man, when I watched Carson, I, I could not help but think this might be the next guy that the NFL really loves, especially... If he's 6'4", I don't know if he's going to end up being 6'4", but we know the NFL is kind of a sucker for that thing as well. He's just He, he makes you believe that he's going to make the right play when he's back there. I like his arm. Uh, I, I would say that when he put his foot in the ground to drive, you know, when he had good drive on it, I thought that he could really put it wherever he wanted. He could hit the back shoulders at the sidelines. He, I mean, he could rip it up the middle of the field. He could hit you nine balls whenever you wanted him to. He could really do all of that touch was actually something that I was surprised he didn't do better. There were, there, there were a handful of touch plays that, you know, and, and touch throws are, are, are hard. And so I, I don't mean to make it sound like I wanted the hard stuff to, to look easy for everybody because then it wouldn't be hard, right? It'd be easy. But there were a handful of plays where I feel like I had watched Carson's style, his arm strength, how he approached plays, how he set himself up, and maybe even how he completed passes previously where he'd just straight like airmail a touch pass or just not time something right. And I'm like, man, okay, I, I don't know if it was maybe a repetition thing. Maybe it's just something he'll get better with, with the consistency because I right. thought to myself that he should he should be better at that. Not because it's an easy thing, but because I feel like he does all of the lead up to be a good touch passer. And sometimes it just was not consistent as consistent as I thought it would be. He's got some really pretty passes, not to say that he doesn't, but uh, that was an issue that I wrote down there. So he's got yeah. an easy game to love. He, he's going to be like you mentioned the Joe Burrow, the Zach Wilson. I think that people are going to turn this on and they're going to be like, wow, I believe in this kid. And yeah, I so think that's I'll, what it's going to be real quick. A lot of that for me, because I don't disagree that there are times where he's just like, all right, you know, three-step drop, I'm throwing this nine ball, here we go. And it's like five yards long. And you're like, why? And to me, I saw a player who was trying to aim his passes and was was trying to modulate that throw completely with arm strength and not let his throwing motion do the work for him, which is okay. very right. similar very similar to what Josh Allen would do out of Wyoming, where Josh Allen would go to throw like a 40-yard a vertical ball, but obviously Josh Allen's got like 80 yards on his arm. And so he would try to guide it and he would try to, to like take some of his arm talent off of it and just kind of like just just throw it with his arm, leave his hips in place and just like, you know, eyeball it and just kind of toss it. Which is like what you do in the bike backyard when you're playing around with your friends. It's like, all right, that's generally that far. Eh. Which as an NFL quarterback, you can't. You have to keep your motion consistent. That's the way you're going to be able to modulate those throws. You're going to learn how to use your motion the same way every single time and be able to take off and add to it with, with your whole body. That's where you're going to get consistency. So to me, that, because I don't disagree that that sensation happened, I think he has a very natural feel for touch. I think he can throw with touch. To me, that's much more of a mechanics problem than it is a he doesn't have touch throws problem. Very interested to see where Carson Strong ends up on our, our top fives, if he ends up in our top fives on Thursday when we go over these guys. Uh, tomorrow, we're, we're bringing a lot of different quarterbacks to the table. Desmond Ritter, Brock Purdy, Bo Nix. I mean, there's so many different players and quarterbacks that... We're going to get a couple of games on that we're going to bring to the table. Um, we're going to intro you on their scouting reports and 
tell you the guys that we really like who are the best of the rest, guys that, uh, I don't know, I'll nicely say need really great years or that we just don't have the most confidence in, whatever it is, uh, tomorrow's episode is going to kind of be a best of the rest, and we're going to get to as many quarterbacks as we can to make sure that we are locked and loaded for the final episode of the week, which is where Ben and I go over our top fives, guys who just didn't make the list, why they are where they are in our list, and how much faith we have in this quarterback class to be one that floods the first round, or maybe we might be taking a year off of that. We'll see. That's uh, all coming up on the final two episodes of the week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.